welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us on one of the stations around the country. Or maybe you're watching on iTunes or YouTube or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, thanks for being with us. Well, today we have an extraordinarily special show for you. We're going to talk about the self-storage industry, you know, mini storage. If, uh, you know, it's interesting uh, to talk about self-storage because I think people used to think of it, of the little metal uh, orange things on the side the road they were kind of ugly and it's become quite a big industry and we have Graham Hill with us here Graham Hill is a broker who specializes in selling self-storage properties around the country and thanks for joining us today my pleasure thanks for having me and it and Graham it has become a very large industry hasn't it well when you consider in 2014 there is 2.63 billion square foot of space available yeah it's <laughs> yeah. amazing isn't it and it's like everyone has uh, some a little bit of self-storage rented around the country right well one, actually amazingly one in ten households has their own self-storage place yeah isn't that a phenomenon well you know you got to put your uh, uh, stationary bike somewhere <laughs> I love them as a clothes hanger. <laughs> That's right. Well, I saw a statistic that said there's 8.32 square feet per capita per person. There's, so do you have your, your eight square feet somewhere, Graham? I, I personally actually have a huge store, self-storage yeah. place yeah. for my yeah. past activities. And I have some, I have some self-storage, too. You know, I uh, store some boat trailers, and I store some, uh, some furniture that uh, goes in some condos I own down in uh, Florida. So mm -hmm. I, I think I'm doing my part. And, and there's a lot of ways to invest in self-storage around the country. You know, you have the, the big public companies and, that you can invest in and beat liquid and uh that and they've been doing well haven't they graham they've been doing phenomenally well the the self-storage reits are i don't know they seem to be below the, the radar you don't hear much about them on television or in the paper but their returns have been phenomenal they all pay a div very good dividend so i would i would check them out yeah you know, you've got some pretty big companies like uh public storage which has 2,266 facilities. They brought in $2.38 billion last year. There's some pretty big companies that you can invest in. That's a big one. Now, yeah. when you consider the, the next one, which is extra space, their income was $782 million. So that's still a mighty big company. Right, right. And the total revenue for 2016 in this industry is expected to be over $32 billion. So, so this uh, space, the storage space, this sector's really gotten popular, isn't it? So, so why is it so popular to investors? Well, it, it's kind of like as the economy gets better, people have more and more stuff. <laughs> Even though during tough times, it sort of was a, a winner anyway, because if you're on the way down, you had to put your stuff somewhere while you get reorganized. On the way back up, then you're in transit, so you need a stepping stone between your places. And then once you've settled, then you start accumulating right. <laughs> and having children. So, so that's great. So if you own uh, investment properties, commercial real estate, maybe you own some residential real estate, this might be something in your portfolio that's a little recession resistant then. 
You know, one of the nice things about self-storage and having been a, a multifamily owner before, there's no taps, no toilets, no carpets, <laughs> nothing. It's yeah. a month-to-month -month lease. When somebody leaves, you sweep it out, and that's it. You yeah. raise the rent. <laughs> raise the rent. Well, hopefully you raise the rent, right? So so there is some ease of management, too, right? That That's what you're saying there. So, yeah, it, and, and you also your, your rents can change with the market pretty fluidly, right? Are, are most of the leases short-term? 99% of places have a month-to-month -month lease. Yeah. And the the advantage to that is that you can reflect a market change very quickly, right. like one cycle, and you can either increase rents or if you have a new competitor come in, adjust accordingly to stop them suddenly chopping the market out from underneath you, so you can be very flexible. Yeah. Modern technology has really changed how people run a self-storage facility. Like when I first started, people were sending out monthly bills to 700 customers that they had. Mm. Now you push a button and they're automatically you know, debited from their credit cards straight away. Right. So if the person doesn't pay within a certain period of time, their gate access is turned off. Mm -hmm. uh, automatic letters are sent out telling them the next steps to them things being auctioned it's mm -hmm. it's very easy for one or two people to manage a very big property right it's, and most cases there's not a lot of landscaping I mean you're yeah. not you'd like might want the place to look nice but you're not doing flower beds and gardens and right. really you know, going yeah. overboard yeah people are coming in with a truck getting their stuff that doesn't need to be all that pretty but yet some of these new facilities especially these these core assets some of these larger uh, facilities are quite beautiful from the street well it's to be able to get zoning to be able to be in the modern or in close areas you have to make something that looks very has a great deal of street appeal yeah. Other, there's no more of the 200 garages in a row mm -hmm. several of these places look like extended stay hotels in right. fact you have to look twice to make right. sure you're yeah. not pulling into a hotel not a storage place that's right and so the investors have uh, been flocking to this this sector. So I'm sure it's like most other sectors in commercial real estate. It's been compressing cap rates. So what are some sample cap rates that you're seeing day to day? Well, in the inner inner cities, MSAs or high A class areas, really unbelievable. From five, even I even heard of one transaction that happened in the threes, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Once you get in more into the outer suburbs, it gets mid sevens to mid eights, and then when you get way out, or not necessarily way out, but in the more rural communities, which I don't understand why they even, even is storage when everybody has room to build a shed in their, in their backyard anyway, but there still is. They still they get do. they get higher in the you know nines and tens, and, and so. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And the financing, do uh, lenders like uh, self-storage properties, uh, how much uh, uh, equity do they require the lenders these days? Lenders have really made a 180 on this. Like SBA now, you can get up to 90% loan-to-value ratio. They really like self-storage because of its success through the recession, its ongoing growth. The whole industry grew 6.5% this year over last wow. so they they see it as a very good stable deal they they will give the best deals obviously to experienced operators somebody that shows a track record that's you know, it's it's very easy to demonstrate the numbers on how this works it's not a complicated business at all so right. they can very easily see your your success and what's what you're what you've done and what you can translate to the next property right but yet there's a lot of opportunities to increase revenues on some of these properties right because you have a lot of ancillary services if you choose to offer them that you can uh, provide 
Oh, there's all sorts of support things you can do. I mean, just a, a simple things as a UPS drop-off or a Federal Express or things like that for people that are not home during the day and suddenly now they've got a, somebody that can sign for things like that. A lot of them have even have a like a meeting room, that, a community meeting room that you can either rent or they'll give you um, all the normal th things like packing supplies and other auxiliary types of things like that that you can add. In fact, I have one client that several of his properties are an actual post office. Oh, really? You know, they're, they're full, and they're open seven days a week. So you're still seeing a lot of demand from investors in the space? Oh, more and more all the time. Yeah. It's, a, it's an easy business to run, either through an outside management company or you can just invest in their stock, or if you choose to participate yourself, it's not something that's going to demand be a really heavy demand. I mean, you can, you can pretty much, you know, a lot of people in later life buy a self-storage facility because it's easy to run. They can have a, somebody part-time or two, two part-timers do it. It's not complicated. Right. And like you said, there's a lot of technology that can kind of cut down on the, the amount of staff, right? Uh, of course, access to the properties, even there's some kiosk, right, that you can even sign, execute the rental agreements there uh, oh, yeah. well, and, and do can, it all uh, online or on site. Well, you can start off online, yeah. look, look at, find the facility, mm -hmm. find what's available, sign the lease, go to the facility. It'll give you an access code to get in. Then you go to the machine. It'll give you a code that you can take out your copy of the lease, a lock, the whole shebang. I mean, you don't, you don't even see or talk to a human. So. Yeah. And then I hear that uh, some of these owners are also using uh, revenue management systems to adjust their rents uh, like the hotels and, and a travel business does, right? Very much so, yes. I mean, if you, you call up and, and the first thing they'll say, we'll give you our internet rate. It's a little different from if you drive up with a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> they'll have a different rate for you then. So <laughs> it's very flexible. Yeah. And it's not like um, you, you see, here's my, well, in some cases you do, but in the more modern versions, it's, it's a living, breathing thing of what's happening in the area. Yeah. It's, I mean, they even have services that tell each other what the other, yeah. the other people's rates well, are. Well, revenue management certainly worked well now in the apartment industry for creating more value and uh, adjust the rents daily based on your vacancy and the market and the vacancy around you. Well, Graham, thanks for joining us, and I want you to join us again in the, in the next part of this show as we bring on some more guests. So stay tuned. We'll have more on the self-storage industry. You're listening to The Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit getvaluate.com. That's getvaluate.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Well, today we're talking about self-storage, and now we have an expert panel to get more in-depth on some issues related to self-storage. We're going to talk about some management tips. We're going to talk about the sales market. We're going to talk about some legal tips. Welcome to the panel. We have Graham Hill. Graham is president of the National Self-Storage Group with Bull Realty. Graham, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. 
Hey, good day, mate. <laughs> good day, mate. Get, get it right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we have Scott Zucker. He's a partner with Wiseman Zucker, and uh, Scott has uh, been a leader in the legal profession with the self-storage industry. Scott, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We also have James Hanrahan, and he is Director of Acquisitions with Store Here. And uh, welcome to all the way from uh, California. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we'll appreciate you all being here. And and briefly, if you guys will, uh, Graham, start us out. Tell us briefly what what you do. Well, primarily what I do is I, I look for opportunities both in sales and acquisition, and and bring people together to execute a meaningful transaction to the benefit of both. Right. Right. So it's you know I find this self storage is a very nice, interesting bunch of people. They're, they're very different from um, the normal, traditional apartment owners. They're, they're much more receptive and, and open to talk to. And that's all you do? I mean, you don't sell apartments and stuff like that? You just sell self-storage properties? There's 58,000 self-storage properties. Yeah. There's plenty for me to do. Plenty of work. <laughs> and Okay. And James, tell us uh, about what uh, your responsibilities are. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm the acquisitions director for a company that uh, I own with a few partners, uh, Store Here Self Storage, and I'm out uh, running around the country uh, buying deals and dealing with owners and brokers and uh, trying to find a uh, upside and opportunities. And how many properties or, or units do you guys have? Oh, we have uh, 33 properties that we purchased in the last four years. Right. And they're all over the country? Uh, seven states right now. Seven yeah. states. Okay. All right, Scott, and tell us uh, what you do day to day. Uh, well, Weissman Zucker is a real estate development and litigation firm. We focus a lot on self-storage as well as other commercial properties and uh, work with a number of state associations as their counsel and also uh, deputy general counsel for the National Self-Storage Association. So self-storage kind of keeps me a little busy, but it's all good. Impressive. And uh, we've had you on the show before, so thanks for coming back. Yeah, glad so to be here. We know you have great information. And uh, so so you're talking to a lot of uh, owners of these self-storage properties and studying the market every day. You're with them. How are these properties uh, performing for some of these various owners? I think everyone would agree that self-storage right now is at the, the top of the market with regard to other real estate classes. Um, you know, very high returns, low risk, low default rates. So I think generally self-storage is a... Uh, a great industry in terms of the real estate market to get into. And so did uh, NAREIT recently report on uh, self-storage? Yeah, they've been tracking self-storage for about 10 years now, mm -hmm. and self-storage is the top of the market in terms of investment return of real estate asset classes. That's amazing because I think some people think of self-storage as these little ugly metal buildings on the side of the road, but it's really developed, hasn't it, James? Yeah, on a, uh, on a more recent uh, note, we were really surprised to see the winter months uh, plussing so many units. We, we actually gained occupancy all through the winter months where uh, generally it's, it's, there's a bit of seasonality to storage. Uh, moving mm -hmm. season is made a September. Mm -hmm. So we usually have a kind of a flat winter and then things pick back up. But this has been a real strong uh, year in general. And uh, like Scott said, the, uh, the nationals are seeing, you know, in the 90, 92, 93% occupancy rates with dollars per square foot just uh, elevating in all markets. Right. And uh, so our buyers and sellers that you're talking to, Grandma, are they suggesting that their properties are doing well? Well, yes, very much so. I mean, self-storage has really gone from being the ugly duckling, so to speak, to, as you say, the ugly end of town to now to, to be able to maintain the zoning there. They have to change 
what the places look like. Like if you if you go around the corner from our office here, you'll see an extra space storage that actually has a, a watchtower, and I mean, it looks like a like an apartment building or a hotel. Yeah. So, so James, you're you're acquiring properties right now. You're pretty active, so you're bullish on the market moving forward. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. We we uh, we're of course. Uh, projecting about four to five years out on all of our acquisitions, but we, we think that uh, the cap rates are going to stay uh, pretty steady, maybe with a slight increase uh, depending on how lending uh, transitions in the next couple of years. But we do feel that the occupancies and the dollars per square foot uh, metrics are going to stay very consistent and actually increase. So we're, we're, we're bullish right now, but uh, we're also cautious on, on what's going to happen with lending in the next four years. I'm not sure cap rates can get much lower compared to what's It's pretty wild now. right now. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you see for cap rates? Uh, yeah. That's a well, question well, for Grant, but I think it's probably something in the, in the five well, or ten It depends range. on which end. I mean, yeah. James and I were talking last night, and he's telling me that they bought a property for a 3.3 cap. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, what are no, you better, doing No, better news, Graham, we're selling a property <laughs> oh, for a 3.4 cap. Uh, but right. but the, uh, it depends on the market and the, pro pro yeah, uh, the quality of the product and yeah. the up and the you know ability to uh, realize upside from it. And we're seeing, you know, Class A properties and A B markets uh, in the four to five cap wow. range. Wow. And B's B's are going from five to six and a half, and and C's are six and a half to eights. So it's 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 transitioned almost a whole point down, honestly, in eighteen months. That's I mean, and and it's getting harder and harder to buy and. Guys like Graham are digging deeper and deeper to find those uh, little nuggets of opportunities. So well, that well, buying existing assets and then the, the other option is, of course, then developing. Well, it so gets very it. hard for me when individual operators see the read in the trade publications what's happening with the REITs and what these yeah. are buying, and they and their expectations are yeah. just totally unrealistic because yeah. you know an individual buyer comes yeah. to buy a, a property, the property's got to pay for itself, and there's right. you know, yeah. there's just yeah. absolutely no way yeah. that. Those those type of cap rates can work. Can't so you get a three a uh, three cap rate for my forty year old <laughs> yeah. metal building? Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, I'm like, yeah. There's there's so much check. there's so much behind that story <laughs> that you you know you don't want to even get into it. But yeah, we have the same <laughs> issues like Graham was saying. The, I mean, you mentioned financing. So what are you guys seeing for uh, funding of these projects? Lenders like these projects now? Well, I I personally have seen a complete reversal where they seek us out. I mean, they come to all of the regional, all the institutional meetings and forever of offering, everybody's got a new deal. I mean, SBAs are down to 90% ratios and all loan to value. And, and uh, it's it's a real wheel and deal. I mean, I had a deal recently where the gentleman just had terrible financial records, but the person who was buying it had a similar property nearby and had a perfect operational deal and just said to the bank, I'm going to take this policy, this method of operation and apply it to this guy. So they, they just forgot about all the terrible <laughs> records that nice. the other guy had and just transferred and trusted him. Are you financing yeah. your deals, James? Yeah, uh, well, our, ours is a little bit different. We operate on a credit line, so we don't actually put full uh, uh, debt on each property individually. So it, it's slightly different, but we also have uh, uh, a secondary uh, line that we're buying properties for personally and, and we're we're doing uh, uh, local loans and SBA loans, uh, which which are fantastic, and also considering some CMBS. But we're 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 trying to steer clear of that because of the uh, the prepay penalties and all the defeasance that are that are associated with CMBS. But what we're finding is that that, that the local banks are having directives to have our class 
of, of product in their, in their pool of investments. So when you go to the local bank, they're saying, we've been looking to deploy $15 million into your sector. You know, do, you know, we're interested in seeing your deal. So they weren't interested in, in it five, ten, five, seven years ago. Now they're very interested in having some of the, our, our class. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So now institutional investors are in, the lenders are in, everybody's getting in. We'll stay tuned. We'll have more on the self-storage sector, including some management tips and legal tips. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you interested in senior housing? You're invited to attend the third annual Interface Senior Housing Southeast Conference. It will be in Atlanta at the Weston Buckhead on August 25th. Enjoy informative panels and valuable networking. Shake hands with decision makers. Enjoy the cocktail reception on the evening of the 24th and the event on the 25th. For more information, click the Interface Senior Housing Conference link at CREshow.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and you're watching or listening to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking about self-storage with my guests, Graham Hill, Scott Zucker, and James Hanrahan. And gentlemen, it seems like there's new technology kind of taking over most every industry. What are you guys seeing in self-storage? Well, in, in the uh, on-site level, we're seeing uh, you know, uh, efficiencies and things like LED lighting and and uh, and other other cost savings, but uh, what you're seeing are more amenities for tenants. Where uh, if you don't have Wi-Fi availability for a tenant, you're you're at a loss. In the self storage, absolutely. Certainly. People people are, are are stopping there to in between runs to uh, their clients, and and they're pulling up email, and, and they like that capability. Um, you're seeing individually alarmed units, individually uh, actuated uh, locking mechanisms on units as well. There's uh, groups putting in IP cams on on storage units. You can look at your storage, at your stuff inside your goods. Yeah, I like to be able to look at, at my time. junk anytime. Yeah, I so want. so some things are going a little bit overboard in my opinion, <laughs> yeah. but 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 some of them they are actual selling uh, attributes, and they can they can help you on resale as well if you're if you're not kind of keeping up to speed with uh, you know it used to just be that you you have a, a gate and a fence and an electronic operator, but it's kind of gone little bit beyond there and, and the new projects that are coming out are pretty amazing. Tell us about the robot you saw. <laughs> well, I, I saw a local uh, trade show and it, the technology is amazing. I think mm -hmm. it's really what's taking self-storage to the next generation. We call them fourth generation facilities like uh, James was talking about. You see these uh, automation aspects to the business. It takes away from having any actual management on the properties. You could literally have a remote self-storage operation with a kiosk and with these robots that offer you to get your lock and key and sign contracts, everything can be done electronic with electronic signatures. It's interesting to march uh, along with the technology advances and have to measure that with the legal issues too because you now have these online contracts and agreements to communicate via email, communicate via text, communicate via cell with your customers. Again, they're not supposed to be living on the property, which we joke about a lot. Self-storage is just the rental of the real estate. Uh, so your customer is not there, so you have to be able to communicate with them, and you know, email and text and cell phone is the way to go. So there was a robot that was 
at this event. It was like a little R2-D2 yeah, yeah, that marched yeah. around it, the property. Yeah, it looked, it looked like a, uh, an ATM on a Segway. Yeah. And basically, it, it, if you, let's say you keyed in your gate code when you get to the property, yeah. it will go and seek you out to see if you need any help. Wow. Or would you like to pay your rent right now? Or yeah. do you like to rent another unit? So it's an upsell and a, a way that, uh, that they're trying to maximize every single opportunity to touch that tenant. Uh, uh, like Scott said, many a time we rent a unit to somebody and we never see them again because mm -hmm. we're dealing with email, they're paying online, they have a credit card on file and they come in odd hours. They'll come in eight o'clock at night, uh, once a month, and you never see them again. So having those different ways to touch that tenant and make sure they stay a tenant. Um, my old uh, uh, boss used to always say, our, our biggest competitor is the dumpster. <laughs> if, 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 if that person decides that it's more equitable to just throw the stuff away yeah. than to keep in storage. So we try to you know, be, a good, uh, be a good host for that, for that client because they could very well leave you and then you have to spend money marketing to get the, a new client in there, possibly discounting the rent the first month or so. So it's expensive to lose a tenant, so yeah. a lot cheaper to keep one. Well, I'm visualizing this robot. It's like, so a storm's coming, I'm at the property, and it's danger, danger, Will Robinson. Danger, danger. So, so Graham, I guess that gives people a lot of opportunities you know, when they're selling a property or acquiring a property to kind of improve operations, right? Oh, very much so. I, quite often, we'll, I'll show a property to somebody and show the finances, and their eyes light up at all the opportunities. Like, all right, I, here's how I can market this so much more efficiently. And it's like you know, immediate cut, cut, cut expenses. So that's, it's a, you know, just the beginning of what they're going to do, but it's an immediate asset. I mean, I've literally gone from people that mailed out a bill every month to places that are just 100% automated. It's an incredible range. Right, and, and there's a lot of turnover, right, in, in some of these units. So hey, the SEO and the websites and that kind of thing becomes real important, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's the, the uh, mobile uh, marketing on the, of the internet uh, capabilities has changed significantly. We, we do about 70% uh, of our overall business is, is literally through the internet, whether it's people renting a unit or, or making a payment. And uh, about 70% of the people that find us on the internet are actually finding us on their mobile phones. They're not on a desktop. 70%. Yeah, so they're not on a desktop. They're not, they're not uh, uh, searching on Google directly. They're, they're right in their phone. And if you, can't, if you can't provide services for that tenant on a good mobile platform, you're, you're really at a loss. They're it's in the garage. Really they said, okay, that's the last straw. That's the last straw. <laughs> I'm going right. to pull out my phone. 85% yeah. of all uh, searches for self-storage begin on the on Google, whether I'm not sure if it's mobile or on desktop, but it's you know if somebody wants self storage. It's other than for they drove right by it every day. The first thing they do yeah, is they just and we're pull gonna up. take a break. I want to hear more about that. We're gonna have some more tips for self storage operators. I'm Michael Bull. This is a commercial real estate show. Stay with us. First Service Solutions, your CMBS borrow advocate for request assumptions, consulting, and restructuring, call First Service Solutions at 817-756-7227. 
Welcome back. We are talking self-storage properties on the Commercial Real Estate Show with Graham Hill, Scott Zucker, and James Hanrahan. And guys, one of the things that's important to any business operator and real estate operators, increasing revenues, right? So what are some tips for increasing revenues in these types of properties? Well, one of the issues I, I know these guys will talk about is revenue management that we've seen come onto the industry where you can control your pricing and therefore impact and your- And self-storage too. Yeah, I know it's in yeah. apartments and hotels. It's, but it's, the hotel business is now like self-storage. Wow. So, uh, but, but one of the issues that I know everyone's talking about is the use of tenant insurance or warranty programs as a revenue enhancement, ancillary revenue from the self-storage on top of rental. Uh, there's a lot of discussion in the industry about the pros and cons of having the tenant insurance or warranty programs. There's current litigation about protection plans or warranty programs out in California. Uh, the interesting thing is, as I mentioned, legislation matches self-storage movement, and we now have legislation where there's something called limited lines for self-storage tenant insurance. So tenants that come onto the properties that understand that they're, they're assuming risk of their property being lost or damaged while it's in storage can insure it and now they can go directly to the self-storage facility manager and get tenant insurance from them under a limited lines program. Kind of like you'd get insurance for a cell phone or insurance for a rental car. You can get it right at the desk and it protects their property, but it also does have a revenue enhancement aspect to the facility and increases the cap rates. Yeah, I mean, it seems like I can't go buy a rock from somewhere and they don't ask me ask me if I want the extended warranty on that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. on that rock. And you should get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the normal things that, depending on the circumstances of the location, you can add, you know, uh, Federal Express, UPS drop off, uh, mailbox, etc. type situation. Other auxiliary things that people on their day to day round would find very convenient. So, if you can enhance the convenience to your customer, that's that, that's always a good thing to do. Yeah, on, on your point, Graham, we have a couple properties that have actual full uh, U.S. postal offices inside mm -hmm. the store. So we, we've become postal agents and, and are actually full USPS. And the nice part is we're open seven days a week. The post office in many areas are, are shutting down on Saturdays. They're not open Sundays ever, and their hours are quite limited. So we're able to offer for some of the suburban and rural areas an option for, for the folks to have to drive all the way into town or, or work around their schedules. It's really convenient. Um, but onto what Scott was start, uh, said at the start there about revenue management, um, for those who don't know, self-storage tenants are on month-to-month -month leases. And as such, we can alter their uh, existing rent rate with 30 days written notice. So if we have uh, an opportunity where a unit type or uh, the whole project is, high, is, is so highly occupied, uh, we don't have any space availability. Easiest way to create space is to raise rent. <laughs> so you want to drop a couple points and, and, and be able to then rent new units at a higher rate. We can affect uh, literally within 30 to 45 days. And this is mainly what my group does when we take over a ma and pa project, so mm -hmm. to speak. Uh, we know we can compete head to head against the REITs and some of the uh, higher end players. And we go and we, we pull those, those projects closer to uh, street rates, turn on great marketing, um, put on things like tenant insurance, and then uh, have a, a system that con constantly monitors where our occupancy levels are and where our competitor rates are so that we can maximize a dollar per square foot. It's something that the uh, less sophisticated operators uh, in, our, in our area don't do. And uh, I think, uh, Scott, you had a statistic, it was like 55% of our of our uh, industry is 
onesie twosie owners. Small operators, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I mean, it's only 12% uh, are controlled by the REITs of the entire market. Another 30 odd percent are controlled by uh, operators you know, that. Uh, Ten to thirty, yeah, ten to thirty top operators in that yeah. range that, that have another two hundred properties or so. Yeah. And the, the the mom and pops do have a, an advantage in a lot of ways in that they can really become part of the community. I mean, I have several folks that I know that have like a community me meeting room. They're they're they they really get involved and become an integral part of of the, the community. So it's which well, it does it there, does seem like a great. Uh, sector for improved management to uh, to create opportunities. So, where are opportunities for investors these days, either in development or buying existing properties? Uh, where where can we make some money? Graham, you want to start us out? With that? <laughs> oh, if we only had the answer to all those yeah. questions. Call me and buy property. Buy low, sell high. Yeah, buy low, sell high. Yeah. Well, obviously, the, you got to get in the game to be in it to right. win it. Right. So it's uh, there's lots of opportunities. It, it, it depends on where you are and at what point. Whether you want to buy an existing business, where you want to be 100% involved or partially involved, whether you want to get in with a group of other people that already have several properties and want to expand. So there's many different ways for you to become involved. But uh, I. I think self-storage is wonderful. I'll tell you, in terms of square footage, you know, you guys have seen the numbers, I think the, the national average is seven square feet per person yeah. for self-storage. And um, the, the households that are using self-storage is, is one out of 10. So you've got 10% uh, using self-storage. So if you think about opportunity, not that everyone's gonna use self-storage, you have another 90% of potential use of self-storage, and certainly square footage could grow for operator use. So there's a lot of opportunity, including the fact that uh, the majority of facilities in the country, the, the upwards of 50,000 facilities, are located in about 10 states. So if you are in another area of the country and you're interested and you see this need for household or business storage, then you can have a, a facility in you know Fargo, North Carolina. It, I'm sure there's a market there. I mean, I'll have customers or clients say to me, well, it's too much competition. Well, that competition's full, so it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant that the fact that they're there. That means it's a good sign. You know, like in Atlanta, the 600, the Atlanta MSA, there's 680 storage facilities. Wow. There's 33 in the pipeline to be built this year. Now, there's 94,000 people projected to come to Atlanta, so that's just going to be absorbed within less than three years. So it's, you know, it's like, yeah. Depending on what happens in 17 and 18, we got to we got to store stuff going. somewhere. Well, stay tuned. We're going to have some tips for acquisitions. We'll be right back. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today, we are talking about self-storage. My guests are Graham Hill, Scott Zucker, and James Hanrahan. And gentlemen, whether you are a seller or a, a, uh, someone that assists people who own these properties, or you're a buyer, 
acquisition tips, strategies. Uh, Scott, start us kind of with the due diligence and legal side. What we should think about an acquisition? Well, it's interesting because as they were talking about the cap rates, uh, we're seeing a lot of new development because the acquisition is a little harder to, to get. So we're seeing folks that are looking at, at new development as well as acquisition. And both are going to involve due diligence aspects to it. The interesting thing about the new development is the uh, sort of barriers to entry now with, with new development, with zoning restrictions and permitting delays. So you're getting this balancing of how hard it is to build a facility as compared to the cost and time it takes for acquisition. But certainly on either side, the due diligence is really important. I'll tell you the key to all this, and we talk about this with our clients all the time, is if you're acquiring a property, you've got to look at the leases that are there. And you may have a property that's 400 units. You're going to want to make, match up the leases for the tenants that are in those spaces or not in those spaces, and you just can't assume things. You don't get... Uh, you know, confirmation estoppel letters from your tenants in self-storage because, right. again, they're not supposed to be living there. So uh, there's things that they have to check off their list, but a lot of government regulation is part of the problem for both mm -hmm. development and for acquisition. Yeah, and you're not even looking every in every unit, right? No, you can't. Yeah, no, you, you can't. can't. You no. can't. Only the vacant units. Yeah. Wow, well, that's interesting. So you yeah. don't know what they have in there or if they're really occupied, but you know if they're paying. Right, right. It's about yeah. Well, so what are some other acquisition tips, James, uh, uh, that you guys are doing? Well, one, one thing that uh, we, we love brokers, but uh, we, we have to have our own model that we trust mm -hmm. and uh, that we understand the market. So we run our model out four to seven years uh, looking for the IRRs that we need to get to to uh, make our investment groups happy. And um, if you don't have a good model you're, you're, and you're relying on a broker model, it's, that's, that's your choice. But uh, I, I think most of us out there are doing our own model. And then additionally, uh, there aren't many great projects out there that the uh, sellers are accepting contingent financing offers. If you're putting a financing contingency in an offer, you're not going to get considered at all. Every deal we've done, uh, the last 25 have all been no financing contingencies. If I had a financing contingencies, I wouldn't even be considered. So are it's you, getting pretty brutal out there. Are you doing any change in use deals? Uh, yeah, we're actually uh, uh, doing a CFO project in, uh, in Florida right now where we're converting a Kmart that's a dark Kmart. Uh, it'll, uh, we'll be splitting off the back portion uh, where the Kmart is, turning it into storage. Since that's a massive parking lot, there'll be two out parcels with uh, a restaurant and a, uh, a coffee house and a Verizon. So, it's, so we're repurposing uh, a lot of the dark projects uh, and, and older older facilities and it's, it's a much easier way it's a, it's you know a nine to ten, nine to twelve month turnaround versus a twenty you know a twenty four to thirty six month if you're doing a ground up development have to get entitlement so that's we're, we're, we're shooting for more conversions and uh, but possibly also working that, on that is extremely ups. interesting to look at uh, change in use and and Graham some people think they could find these properties on LoopNet and they can't so how can they find properties to acquire well, I think the essential thing is to find an agent, whether me or somebody like me who specializes in self-storage. I'd say 90% of the properties that I have sold are not even on the market. I mean, I find them by being in the field and talking to these people and, and discussing where they are in their life and what their, their long-term plans are. And it'll come up that, okay, this is an appropriate time to do this. But Is it a good time to sell? It's a great time to sell. It, it's, uh, and if we, do we need a broker that speaks Australian? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thanks for joining us here in Studio One. We appreciate uh, you being on the show. Thank you.
Thank you. And, th and thanks for joining us there on uh, YouTube or maybe you're on iTunes or the show website or driving down the road listening to the radio uh, stations around the country. Thanks for being with us. Be sure and join us next week. We're going to talk about the office market. We're going to talk about some tenant strategies, landlord strategies, investment strategies. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Excelligent, building data everywhere. CCIM Institute, the industry's global standard for professional achievement. Valuate, easily share what-if analysis with colleagues online. And First Service Solutions, your CMBS borrower advocate. For more information on how these businesses may be of service to you, visit CREshow.com.